The special episode that Zach has been teasing is here. Welcome, Dub Nation, to another episode of the Catching Dubs podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Ethan with my Splash Bro co-host, Zach. We would love to give a warm welcome to our special guest today. He is a sports columnist for the Bay Area News Group and has been part of the journalism scene for many years. Warm welcome to Dieter Kirchenbach. Dieter, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you coming on. You guys are making me seem like I'm super old. Don't get me wrong. I'm way older than you guys, but I'm not that old on the scene for many years. It's uh, it's true, but you don't have to remind me of it. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. So as, uh, as always, to our new listeners, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we really appreciate the support. We're just two dudes who love the Splash Bros, and we just talk all things Warriors. And to our current listeners, thank you all for the support. We really appreciate it. And without further ado... Let's get started. All right. Um, so, Dieter, we're just going to ask you if you'd like to give a introduction about yourself to all the listeners. Oh, uh, you can go sure. right ahead. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Dieter Kernbach. I'm a sports columnist at the San Jose Mercury News and the East Bay Times. I'm a host on KMBR on occasion. Used to be more occasions than others. Now it's just on occasion. Uh, I'm an investor and a host at Line Movement, a Canadian sports betting company that uh, we also do a lot of daily fantasy football stuff and uh, a host of um, a show every day on Locker Room from 8 a.m. on called Sports in the Morning. So I wear a lot of hats, but it's good because I got a big head. <laughs> you got to join the hat club while both of us are wearing hats. Yeah, no, I, I got I got May's hat that I could put on just out of sight. But if someone caught me wearing that, you know, the, the Giants fans who uh, who listen to me on KMBR we would be all up in arms, even though I'm very <laughs> overt about the fact that I'm East Bay through and through. So it, it is what it is, man. Uh, uh, but glad glad to be on, and uh, that's a great hat. So I, I'm jealous. When I said I have a big head, I really mean it. Like one size fits all hats don't fit my head like they legitimate like it's one size fits all so long as all is like not a ginormous person so it's uh <laughs> yeah it wasn't like a clean win it was dirty um all around they won 114 to 106 and i'm wondering what are your thoughts on that game all around like yeah we all saw steph come back we saw james and kevon mm-hmm. come back like what are your thoughts on this game all around well it's a good win it's a, it's a win that they had to have right just yeah. considering the circumstances of the prior two games considering the fact that the Knicks are a a solid team that's always going to give you a good run. The Knicks are going to put you in disadvantageous situations and force you to figure your stuff out on the fly. And I thought the Warriors did a really good job of that. A couple things stood out to me in the game. A couple good, a couple bad. One, uh, Draymond Green clearly doesn't want to shoot the three. I think that this is now not just a, a trend. This might be kind of, you know, cemented in concrete here for the rest of the season. And while that's a problem, it's not something that the Warriors can address. I did notice at the end of the game, though, when you had Kevon Looney, uh, not the end of the game, but probably minute five to about minute two, you had Kevon Looney in there. And with two non-shooters on the floor, it just made Steph's life so damn hard. And that's going to be a big thing that I'm looking for from the Warriors moving forward. How many times do they have two non-shooters on the floor at the same time guys who can't take the shot from the perimeter because if Draymond's on the floor that's one of them Eric Pascal doesn't want to shoot the three his mid-range game's kind of it's on and off um you know Kevon Looney can shoot one but you don't really know I mean they've been trying to beat that out of James Wiseman for what reason I couldn't tell you but they don't want him taking the long shot and it just creates big issues because 
Ubre still has that Leroy Jenkins in him where he doesn't really know if he should be in the corner and be a spot up shooter or if he should be driving to the basket. And that becomes a problem when you have the center hanging out under there, which I think will kind of become more evident in the weeks to come. And then Andrew Wiggins is not the best spot up shooter. He's a guy who does his best work off the dribble. So those lineups are still a little bit funky. There's still a lot to work through. I thought that Steve Kerr made a really nice adjustment going to Kent Bazemore late. It should be noted, though, that when you have Looney and Draymond on the floor with Oubre and Wiggins, who they deserve a lot of credit for their defense this year, you ain't giving up points, uh, not to the Knicks at least. And uh, as bad as the offense was in the fourth quarter of that game for the Warriors, it was worse for the Knicks because the Warriors' defense was doing yeah. work. And um, that's something that they really need to hang their hat on. The Knicks are a weird team. I don't think that there's very many teams that play anywhere close to what the Knicks do just because the Knicks are so damn slow. But that's something that the that's a kind of tape that the Warriors need to show. They just need to cut out the offensive parts of it, just show the defensive parts of it in that fourth <laughs> quarter because it was really good stuff, capped by that great Ubre steal, Andre Iguodala like. Yeah, yeah. So um, of course we totally agree with your points. Like with the whole Draymond stuff, I saw Zach smiling there about <laughs> the whole Draymond stuff. Like there was like a couple of times where he had that free open floater whenever he gets that pick and roll with Steph and he decides yeah. just to pass it. And I'm like, yo, you yeah. got an easy two points just to get like a uh, Uber brick three. I'm like, sometimes <laughs> it's like, it's just probably ingrained in him that Clay Thompson is in the corner, but <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing, man. I'm, I'm hardcore about the warriors putting some chips in the middle of the table for this year. Cause you're, you know, you just don't know how many great years from Steph you're going to get. Like, and it's stunning what he is doing this year. Uh, I expected great things from him. I expected MVP caliber play. I didn't expect him to be repeating, you know, the greatest offensive season in NBA history, in my opinion, which was his unanimous MVP year. And you're getting, you know, solid play from Wiggins, but we kind of know what he is now. Ubre's up and down. He's been up as of late. I hope he doesn't go back down, but he, he could. Um, and you kind of have this Draymond who is kind of hanging on by a thread. He does so many things so well. But then a lot of stuff he does terribly. And it's just he's just a shell of himself on the offensive end, at least when it comes to shooting. And I, I just, you know, they could push some of the chips into the middle of the table, go out and get another shooter, a guy who can take advantage when, you know, the double team comes. A guy who, if you do have two non-shooters on the floor, it doesn't matter because you have a truly great shooter as opposed to Wiggins and Oubre who are just kind of basic shooters, right? Like those, they're, they're not special in that regard. They're not Clay Thompson. You know the Warriors are hardcore about, oh, Clay's coming back next year. They got a window this year. I mean, you guys have been watching the Lakers lately. Without Anthony Davis, they suck. I mean, full they stop. Do. I they don't want to be – yeah, stop. they do so, suck. <laughs> like, they look like the LeBron team that uh, – 2018, the 2018 exactly, team. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, they look good enough to be the 11th seed, so uh, no play in tournament for them. I mean, obviously, they built up a nice cachet, but uh, that, that team is Anthony Davis. He's the MVP of that team. And I, I don't trust Utah. I just don't. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is exactly, really efficient. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I don't trust them either. They remind me of the 2014 Spurs. I'm not meaning to interrupt, but no, there's, no, too no. Many, there's too many people hyping them up, I feel like. just That's just my I point. just don't understand what's different about this Spurs team than last year's. Or I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> that's a nice Freudian split. This Jazz team than last year's. Like, I know Mike Conley is back, and that's he's a very good player. But this team is so reliant, the Jazz are so reliant on Donovan Mitchell in crunch time situations and Donovan Mitchell's just like not an efficient player and efficiency is everything when you're, you know, giving the ball to a guy, I want wings. I want wings through and through. So maybe I'm in on the Clippers, but they don't have a guy who can kind of keep them organized as a point guard uh, until they get that guy. I think there's going to be some issues for them. Uh, 
I just feel like the Warriors, you know, they might not have the best shot. Um, they might not have a big shot, but they have a shot. And I think when the Lakers were at the top of their game with Anthony Davis, they didn't have a shot, if we were being honest. It was make the playoffs, see what happens after that. Now, there's this glimmer of hope, right? We've seen what this Warriors team can do if you give Draymond and Steph a glimmer of hope come playoff time, and they're going up against worthy adversaries, teams that aren't markedly better than them. And um, I just feel like if you go out and you get another, you know, a guy who can just give you buckets. I mean, you don't have to get Bradley Beal. That'd be the ideal. But like a buddy healed maybe, that would do a lot for me. That would do a lot for me to be more comfortable with these Warriors moving forward because that late game situation was rough. It was rough. Yeah, like that's been like the issue with this team. It's like the second unit. And, you know, we've been seeing blown leads in the second unit where, you know, uh, the Warriors were up 10. For example, the Warriors and Celtics game, they were up 11 after the first quarter and they blew blew it with the second unit. I'm like thinking, is there like any way like Steve Kerr can play the rotations to make sure like that second unit can't give up as many like opportunities as we've seen? It's all Brad it's Wanamaker's tough. fault though. So we just have to make sure the blame's on him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> apparently. I mean, if you if you're on Twitter enough, you'll 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 see it. I mean, he exactly. Not I know. Good, but... Warriors Twitter's brainwashed me. I believe me, Brad <laughs> Wanamaker's a bad basketball player. Well, I mean, listen, uh, he uh, obviously, you know, like Anthony Slater, who's a great journalist uh, and uh, just a great guy, and I think a respected guy. I mean, he he posed the question today, and so I think there's some credence to it. He posed the question, you know, should Jordan Poole be getting Brad Wanamaker's minutes when he comes back from the G League? But, you know, it's like, dude, if that's the question you're asking, don't you have bigger problems at hand? Like, if you're like, man, you yeah. know what this team really needs? Some Jordan Poole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe I just kind of, you know, pumped up your tires a little bit. And maybe you got other <laughs> issues to work through. So I'd like to see the Warriors make a move. I really would. I think that that would um, – I think, I think it would – you know, be a courtesy to Steph, a courtesy to Draymond, a courtesy to Wiggins, who's played great, but clearly doesn't want to step up into a number two role, uh, courtesy to Clay Thompson as well. Like with Steph and Draymond, it's like, hey, we know that there's a limited window here and we're going to maximize it to the best of our ability. We're not going to be stupid. We're not going to do anything dumb, but we're going to we're going to give you the best shot at winning titles every single year within reason, without completely jeopardizing the future. Uh you know, obviously for Wiggins, just because you don't, you know, he, he's done so much to get to this point where he's a rock solid defender and a guy who'll give you 18 points a night. Like you don't want to mess with that too much because it took so much to get there. But then with Clay, when he comes back next year, this is a guy coming off of two catastrophic leg injuries. Like, is it fair for the entire team's championship hopes? And, and that's what's happening. Like when I talk to people around the Warriors, they're like, well, next year, next year, next year. Well, next year, what's going to be different? The only difference is Clay. And this year you're saying, nah, not this year. It's all about next year. So clay is the only difference between this year and next year, along with, you know, presumably some uh, positive, you know, development for James Wiseman and such. That's a lot of pressure to put on a guy who just came off of those injuries. That's a lot of pressure to put on clay. And we're all betting that he'll do it because he's clay. He's the Wolverine. But like, wouldn't you want some insurance on that? I would, I would buy some insurance on that. And I think you can do it right now. Like a guy like Buddy Heald or uh, Victor Oladipo is super injured, so it's probably not the best idea. Like they would just give so much more confidence to everyone watching this team and would help out Steph so much in late-game situations. They can anchor the second unit in a lot of ways and so that Wiggins doesn't have to carry that load. I just think that they're one player away. And uh, I'd really like to see, you know, this team 
you know, they say they're light years. They went out and got Ubre when Clay went down. They have the ability to make a move. I'd like to see him do it. Yeah, like I guess for I think all of us thought like once Clay went down, it was like it was over. Like yeah. the championship hopes were over. So like, and they uh, we're talking about insurance. They got Ubre. I mean, he played straight up awful when we yes. first started, and he looks he looks good. Um, same He's with Wiggins. Great. He didn't start like he didn't start off that great but i feel like they're finally buying into the system a little bit you can mm-hmm. see Ubre finally doing those um those back screens for when those steph relocations <laughs> in the beginning you see <laughs> Ubre just literally standing in a corner not doing anything so i'm wondering is Ubre part of this warrior's future moving forward no <laughs> uh no no uh I, i've gotten no indication from anybody that uh he's coming back next year uh, that wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Like I just happened to, uh, it, it's it, it, the way that it was viewed when they got him was this is a one year stop gap. This will give us a good chance of winning. He's no clay, but this is the best we can do. They were going to let the traded player exception expire. They weren't going to use that money from the Andre Godala trade. And when clay went down, they had a couple of days. They said, Oh, well, we better use it now because we're down a, a starting shooting guard. And so they went and got Ubre. Now Ubre. It's kind of the catch 22, right? For Ubre. If he plays well, he's going to want a bigger role somewhere else. You watch him and he looks like he wants the bigger role. I mean, how many times has that dude ran into four defenders straight just thinking that he's Steph Curry? <laughs> 50% and, of the time. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, sometimes he makes it. I don't think he's capable of making a layup unless two dudes are punching him in the jaw. But um, <laughs> so if he plays well, then he's going to get a bigger contract than the Warriors are going to offer him because they're deep in luxury tax hell. And they don't want to commit money to Kelly Ubre in that regard they'll do it for like kevin durant but kelly Oubre is a different ball game and if he plays like crap well then the warriors don't want him anyway so it's hard for me to see a circumstance where he kind of splits the difference and they're like oh we'd love to have you back at a reasonable rate like i just don't know what that reasonable rate would be unless he really stinks in which case again you don't want him back so um i i don't think that he's part of the future which only lends its lends to the argument of the Warriors aren't thinking about a championship this year. Steve Kerr said it a bunch of times. Um, you know, they're, they're, this is a built rebuilding year. We're not way. chasing wins. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not chasing wins, which in context makes a lot more sense, but ultimately is not a good quote. And, uh, and so if they're not thinking about championship this year, then they should move one. They should move. Well, they should certainly move one maker if they can, uh, which means release them. Uh, but uh, they should, you know, trade Uber at the deadline and see if you can get a draft pick or something. Cause what's it matter? What's it matter? Um, I think that, you know, taking Ubre at the height of his powers, when, when somebody can look at him and go like, Oh, that's a pretty good player. Maybe we want to sign him next year. Let's get him in here. See what's up. Do that. You know, use him as part of the package with a bunch of your own picks or maybe even the Minnesota pick. Uh, and go out and get a dude who is markedly better than him, or at least more consistent, has a higher ceiling, more reliable, all that stuff. Because you have Wiggins slotted in as that number three, perfect number three. Ubre thinks he's a number two. He's really a number four. Steph is clearly the number one. There's a big gap there at number two. It's certainly not Draymond on the offensive end. Uh, it's not Clay until next year, and who knows what Clay's going to be next year. But if they had a reliable number two on this team, this team would be a force to be reckoned with in the Western conference. I truly believe that. And if that means you got to give up Kelly Oubre to, to get it. So be all it. worth uh, it. I love Kelly Oubre's defense though. He's been great on defense as yeah. of late as has Wiggins. Before we get into the next segment, here's a word from our sponsor. 100% agree. 
Um, and I think I just want to go touch on a point that we later that we er- talked about earlier. I think yeah. the assembling of this roster was not the greatest, and I think Bob Myers, Joe Lake, uh, Steve Kerr all knew once Clay went down that mm. they weren't to. I noticed that they weren't very aggressive in free agency. Obviously, a lot of players like Marcus Saul, um, Avery Bradley didn't want to come because Warriors without Clay weren't going to be serious contenders. Once right. he went to teams like Miami, LA. Um, but I think with how Steph has played and how he's really never regressed, even after that wrist injury, I think it's just a slap in the face to him that they're not going to chase wins when he's playing at an MVP caliber level. And I think the assembling of the roster has just been, it all goes back to that earlier this off season. I think it's just been horrendous. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Zach. It's a, a, a very strange messaging too, right? Like they drafted James Wiseman because they said he was a better fit for the here and now why does that matter? Like if you're talking about these draft picks as long-term long vision concepts, which they then do, right. They're like, Oh, well, James Wiseman is going to be part of our core. And you know, when Steph and Draymond have faded. And so whoever they get with this Minnesota pick, that's our core, Andrew Wiggins, that's our core moving forward. So we're going to be really good for a long time. Maybe not winning championships, but we want to do the Spurs thing. We want to just be really good for a long time. But then you go out and you get a Wiseman. And one of the reasons you say is, oh, he helps now. Now, maybe they also believe that he was the best player in the draft long-term. It's hard for me to believe that a center is going to be the most bang for your buck in the modern NBA. Um, That's just me. Also, it's hard for me if you're saying, hey, we want the best guy for now. And you have Tyrese Halliburton available to you on the board. It's easy to say now, but me and my man, Wes Goldberg at the Merck, were saying this before. He's Andre Guadalla. Just go get him. <laughs> like, just, oh, man, he's not going to have a long peak. Yeah, but he'll be peaking when Steph and Draymond, he's He was ready-made, good to go, and he's been the best player for Sacramento all year. No offense to De'Aaron Fox, but, like, he's been the best player for Sacramento in my eyes. But it's um, also Sacramento, so. Hey, you know, they play some entertaining <laughs> ball, Zach. They play some entertaining ball. I'm just so saying. It, doesn't, I'm just saying. it just doesn't make much sense to me that they can, they're trying to have it both ways, right? And that's it, it's just an elaborate way of them taking – they're taking Steph for granted. They just think that he'll keep doing this and maybe he will, but man, you can't waste a year of Steph like this. You, last year you saw what he went down. Okay. He got the injury. He went down, he rested. It happens. Stuff like that happens. Steph Curry knows better than anybody, but he comes back and he is balling out. He should be the MVP front runner. I mean, what would this, I'll tell you what this team would look like without him. We saw it in, in Charlotte, <laughs> Not so great. And then, you know, it's like, oh, man, they scored 100 points. And uh, and we saw it all last year. That's what this team is without Steph. Yeah, it's not good. Probably the same as last year or yeah. worse. The worst team in the NBA is what they are without Steph. You somehow add Steph, and they're not just respectable and relevant, but they also feel like they're on the precipice of something. So t- it's, you're taking advantage of this player and this notion of, oh, well, this Minnesota pick is really important to us. I get it. I understand. Uh, everyone, everyone loves to draft. Everyone loves to think that they can be the Spurs. Here's a fun story about the Spurs, though. They got Kawhi Leonard, and then they won another title, and then they lost his ass, and then he left. 
You only get one of these guys. The Spurs got it with Tim Duncan. Maybe you can argue David Robinson, but they got it in Tim Duncan. The Bulls are never going to get another Michael Jordan. The Cavs are never going to get another LeBron James. And the Golden State Warriors are never going to get another Steph Curry. And they're probably never going to get another Klay Thompson. And they sure as hell ain't going to get another Draymond Green in the second round. Like what his what they have now is miraculous. Not the steal Marcus Thompson stuff, but it's miraculous. And to waste a year of it for some other year, when you see how Draymond's deteriorating, when you know that Steph is 33, and you know that Clay is coming off the two catastrophic leg injuries, which are going to zap something from him. I, I just don't know how he comes back as the same Clay. Hope I'm wrong, but I don't know. Like that's taking that's taking him for granted, and that should be a cardinal sin, man. That, that's just egregious. Exactly. That's my whole point with this assembling of the roster. Why not just go out and be aggressive, trade for a sh- guy who can actually shoot where right. Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, it, Andrew Wiggins isn't the most aggressive sometimes where he can drive to the rim, where yeah, he should be that's, doing. That's saying it. That's and then if, if Kelly Oubre, yeah. if Kelly Oubre wants to give uh, one toenails worth of aggressiveness to Andrew Wiggins, Wiggins would be an all-star <laughs> every year. Exactly. Wig- and Kelly Oubre has never seen four men on the floor that he didn't think he could take one V four. And Andrew Wiggins has never seen a one-on-one matchup that he doesn't want to pass out of. And they just need to, you know, have a collective, they need to get drunk together or something and see what happens because it's like, they need a freaky Friday situation. (laughs) I don't know, but it's, it's painful to watch. And it's kind of funny that, you know, we're not that far into the season. We, we knew we had 12 games of Wiggins last year and it's just so easy to kind of figure him out. And again, he's playing, he's playing really good ball. He's just not a transcendent all-star caliber player. He's a really nice role player. He's a he's a souped up Harrison Barnes. There's nothing wrong with that. Harrison Barnes is a good player, but that's not what the Warriors need right now. Or at least that's not all the Warriors need right now to at least to compete for a championship, get themselves to the Western Conference Finals, and see what happens. Yeah, I just find it frustrating that the front office thinks that Clay Thompson's going to come back after a torn Achilles, a torn ACL. And yeah. he's going to come back and he's going to play like game six clay. No offense to clay. I hope he does that, but I just don't see that ever happening. Yeah, I would, After I would have that two catastrophic injur- injuries. I don't yeah. think he'll ever come back the same. He was, you guys, you guys are young. You guys don't have to worry about this crap yet, but like I own a home. Okay. And when you own a house, um, something changes in your body and all you think about is all the ways that things could go wrong. Maybe you're like that already with just stuff. I don't know. Uh, but I, it, you know, we live in California. Like it's you know, fires, earthquakes, just all the terrible things that can happen, tsunamis. And so wouldn't you want some insurance in case that happens? You have all this money invested in this one thing. Don't you want some insurance? They have a lot of money invested in Clay Thompson. If Clay Thompson doesn't work out, what, what, what do they do then? Because then everyone knows they're desperate. They have a little bit of an advantage now. You never, you never try to buy when you're desperate. That, that's just how people take advantage of you. What you do is you try to buy when you're riding high. And they can, they can make the argument that they're riding high right now. They got Kelly Oubre playing good ball. They got Wiggins in a solid place. And Minnesota is god-awful. And that draft pick is worth something to somebody. Put it in the middle. Put some draft picks in the middle. You're seeing what, you know, you're seeing what the Clippers did two years ago. You're seeing what Brooklyn did this year. Are you in it or are you not? Because... I thought we were light years ahead. That, that, that's just what I had heard. I, I heard that. 
I just, just have have a, the, yeah, I just have a gut feeling like that the front office is going to stay put and then they're going to hope the Minnesota pick works out. And if it does work out, I mean, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga are great players that could awesome. easily slide down to them and they could easily help out the team. But once again, when, yeah, <laughs> when, when they're 19, exactly. They're and I mean, how, you look how, at, old, yeah. how old are you guys? How old are you guys? I'm, I'm 19. 18. I'm 19. I'm yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. How about we get some more people in the Kurtenbach age range, 32, and, and fewer 19-year-olds? No offense to the 19-year-olds. You guys are kicking all of our asses. But, like, less 19-year-olds might be good when you got a guy who is a superstar who's my age and is just becoming more and more washed by the day. Like, it's nice for 2027. It's nice for 2027. We're talking about 2021 here. Like, let's, let's – uh, us olds still have our moment, right? Yeah. Exactly. And James Weissman's not, I get that James Weissman played only three college games and he was off for a year, but yeah. who knows if Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Greg could come in and he, they could be an exact replica of James Weissman, but smaller and yeah, be confused I mean, about the Steve Kerr offense and all of that. They're 19. I mean, maybe it clicks immediately, but like when I say like, Oh, I thought Halberton would be good there. Well, Halberton was in school for three years and Halberton's 22. Like there, there's something to being the dude at a college level and being a man against boys. And I like what, you know, Green and Kaminga are doing for Ignite. Like, I, I, I wish that Ignite was playing Walnut Creek. That would be a lot cooler. But, you know, here we are. Uh, <laughs> like, all this bubble. Like, but man, like, they're beating up on Jeremy Lin. Like, that just doesn't do it for me. Like, it just doesn't do it for me when they're like, hey, man, Jordan Poole, get over here. Jordan Poole got sent down to the minor leagues. Like, he's beating up on Nico, Nico Mannion. That doesn't mean anything to me. Caleb Weston. Like, I, I just, I, forgive me for not getting excited about 19-year-olds beating up on G-leaguers when I've seen guys absolutely wreck dudes in the G-league and then get to the NBA and just get destroyed. There are levels to this. And the G-league, while I, I think it's an incredible product and I'm a big fan of it and I think there's a lot that we can, you know, glean from watching it and all that stuff, like... <laughs> <laughs> that only qualifies you to be the last guy on an NBA bench. It doesn't qualify you to give quality minutes to a championship contender right away. Now, again, those guys are potential, right? They're 19 years old, three, four, five years down the line. Hey, now you got something cooking. You're, you're seeing with, you know, a guy like, you know, Jason Tatum, a guy like Jalen you know, Brown, like it takes a while for these guys to fully come through. Tatum did it a little bit faster. Like uh, a guy like DeAndre Ayton comes in at 19 years old. It took him three years to get to a good point. Um, it takes years for these guys to develop. And when you're you know, drafting with the number two overall pick, usually you suck for quite a while after that. So the Wiseman thing, it's like, he's got he's to do his three years. Big men take a long time to develop. Yeah. And it's like, dude, Steph's going to be 37. Like, what are we talking about? I don't know. Maybe Steph just is Tom Brady. Maybe he's Tom Brady. I don't know. But again, don't you want some insurance? Don't you want some more rings? Don't you want yeah, to exactly. not be betting on Steph to be Tom Brady, the one person who's ever done that ever in the history of mankind? I don't know what kind of diet Steph's on. I don't know what kind of weird massage routines that guy's got going on in his life, but I'm just not betting sand on bags. it. Yeah, sandbags. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I see Brandon Payne. Maybe he's got that Alex Guerrero vibe going. I don't know. But like, it's uh, he's 33 years old and he's doing something that no human should have any right to do. And we've taken LeBron for granted in a lot of ways. But LeBron spends a million dollars every year on his body. And I know Steph spends a ton of money on his body. Like, but we've never seen anybody like Steph before. So I don't know how this thing ends. All I know is 
you know, it's ridiculous that he's doing it at 33. So what the hell's going to happen when he's 35, 36? And can the Warriors bet on that to be the anchor of a championship team? Man, I don't know. I just think that they have a chance to win a title, another title or two here the next couple of years. Uh, if for no other reason than Draymond's going to drop off like crazy at any moment. Uh, yeah, he's, it already looks like he's regressing. Yeah. <laughs> Draymond's one twisted ankle away from being in the G League. Like if he, if he gets injured and doesn't come back, right. Like it's just, he doesn't have any more to give. Like he's already lost the step. He's already lost his shot. Like the second he, he starts playing a step slower is the second he's done. And yeah, his brain will keep him in the game, but like you're seeing what, let me put it this way. You guys watched the heat um, Warriors game the other night. Yeah. Andre Iguodala is a legend, man. And Andre Iguodala keeps himself in impeccable shape. Andre Iguodala doesn't look like he can be out there on the floor right now. Like it just, it, it comes for all of us. Time comes for all of us. So <laughs> I don't know how the Warriors can watch Andre Guadala fall off a cliff for a team that was competing for a championship last year. And who's not right now and not think to themselves, man, maybe we should get more help for these guys when they're in the, when they have the ability to win a championship, but I'm just repeating myself at this point. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Warriors with this core, they have, they have probably like a three to five window. I'm like, yeah. Steph right now is playing really similar to the 2016 season. I'm like, mm-hmm. even with the worst team, I'm like, you can't waste this. So I'm like, yeah. we're looking at the future. Does Wiseman really fit that three-year window that they, the Warriors have? And I'm wondering, he could. I don't know. He could, right? Like it could click every now and then. It is very fun watching him develop. Like I get a kick out of him picking up on small things that he messed up in the last game, but then he did right in the next game. Like that's enjoyable for me, but those are the things that happen when you grow up a Chicago Bulls fan and uh, your heart is ripped out of your chest every year because they perennially suck. Like you have to find little fun things to notice. Like longtime Warriors fans know all about it. Like they so enjoyed the, the come up of Steph because it was, it was these milestones and these markings. Uh, Wiseman has all the potential in the world, right? But he's a center, so there's a limited availability. I don't think he's Joel Embiid. I don't think he's, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic. Like, I don't think he's one of those guys. Um, I think he could be really good. I think he could be an all-star. But it takes a couple of years. And I'm looking at a guy like DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix. Like, he's really good. He's nowhere near all-star level now. And he's been in the league for three years, four years. Like, by the time he gets to all-star level, is Chris Paul going to be in the league anymore? I know Devin Booker will be, but like, will Chris Paul be in the league anymore? And so I just, it, this entire league is predicated on the three-point shot and wings. And the Warriors had the, great, the two greatest three-point shooters in the history of the NBA. And I would argue the greatest scorer in the history of the NBA, Kevin Durant. And two of those guys were wings and one of them was a point guard. And they won a title with that point guard being the alpha. They lost a series with that point guard being the alpha. And then Kevin Durant came in and was a surplus to needs. And they just whooped ass for three years up until Kevin Durant got injured. And uh, I look at, you know, LeBron, Anthony Davis. Davis is a big, but he thinks he's a wing. So I'll give it to him. Uh, I look at, you know, the Clippers with two elite players at the wing. Uh, those are the teams that I worry about. I, I worry about Boston if they ever figure their act out because I think they have two, you know, they have two all-star wings. But I think they have two elite wings. Um, wings are, you can go back 
it's been 10 years since a non-wing has won NBA Finals MVP. It, it's been 10 years. It was Tony Parker way back in the day. And, I mean, Andre Guadalla got one because he's a wing and wings matter. Uh, now that was complicated. But uh, it, <laughs> I'm looking at this now and it's like, okay, who are the wings for this team? It's Uber and Wiggins. Does anyone think that that's stacking up with anybody? No. Probably not. Nope. No. Mm-mm. So I don't care how good Steph is. Doesn't matter. I mean, he, he is the MVP in my eyes. Doesn't matter how good he is because you don't have the wings. And Draymond is the center now because he can't shoot, which means that, you know, probably a good thing. But they played a lot better without Wiseman than with him. And that was even when he was playing, right? Remember how they had to drop his ass out of the starting lineup. So he's 19 years old. He doesn't deserve any, you know, full-time judgment. Uh, he, he is a beautiful basketball player. Like if you were like, build me a center in 2K, it'd look a lot like James Wiseman. Uh, but he's 19 years old. He's getting a lot thrown at him really fast. There are very few. I mean, the last, the last guy I can remember in a situation similar to James Wiseman was Darko Milicic, who's way older than you guys. In fact, I think he was drafted the year you guys were born. And uh, after the head of uh, oh, the Pistons made that pick, yeah, Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade, yeah, yeah. and so idiots. Uh, and he goes to Detroit at number two because Detroit, I don't remember whose draft pick they had, but they were a really good team. They get Milicic, and Milicic is sitting at the end of the bench when they win the title the next year. And uh, he was he sucked, he sucked his entire career, he wasn't a good player. Now, Wiseman is not that, but I'm just thinking about big man drafted by a team with immediate title winning, you know, potential, even if the team doesn't want to recognize it uh, and how difficult of a situation that is. There's just not a lot of room for him to develop. There's not a lot of room for him to screw up. And I feel bad for him because I think he's really bright and I think he has a load of potential. I'm not sure if he's going to reach it with the Warriors who haven't developed anybody. I mean, who were the draft picks before him? I mean, Looney, Jordan, Damian well, Jones, Jacob Evans, and Jordan uh, Poole. Those are the first round draft. Patrick yeah, McCall. The, the first round draft picks, as you just listed them out, <laughs> Jordan Poole in the G League. Um, uh, uh, Jacob Evans was is literally on a G League contract, and the Santa Cruz Warriors just signed him today. And then, and then uh, Damian Lee, or Damian Jones, sorry, who uh, who was released today by the Suns. He's a free agent, not even in the league. Oh, really? Didn't know, yeah. Didn't know that. So they're killing it. Now, I understand that Wiseman was the number two pick and all those other guys were late first rounders. But, man, <laughs> uh, I'm not a big LaMelo guy. I would have taken LaMelo. I would have taken Halliburton. I, I just don't believe in the center position as a value pick. And if, it, if the pick was made entirely for the purpose of helping Steph and Draymond and Clay uh, – in the here and now that doesn't make any damn sense to me either. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm, I'm rooting for him because I think he's a great guy. I really do. And uh, I think that he has a load of potential, but I'm just having a hard time. Uh, <laughs> we are not in a position to be patient here, gentlemen. This is not, yeah. this is not a time for patience. This is the time to push some advantages. And if that means James Wiseman has to go, you know, be a, be a gazelle somewhere else. So be it because, he ain't the starting center on this team. He ain't the closing center on this team. And he might be in a few years. He also might not be because I'm not sure he can get there with the operation they got going on here in Golden State. Yeah, this is going to be a dilemma for them moving forward, like the next one or two years. 
yeah so um i guess that'll that'll do it um <laughs> that was a great conversation so um i'm sorry uh, it's this, mostly this one-sided your... there once i get going guys i don't really see no nah, you're good we loved it we love the insight we love the insight appreciate it this is your oh, red carpet God. moment so is there anything that you would like to say to the listeners red out there who may moment. be listening um you don't have to tweet every thought that crosses your mind folks some stuff is going to change throughout a game and uh nobody wants nobody wants a reactionary uh listen i i I, i'm a hot take artist i'm a reactionary in a lot of things take a moment take a deep breath you ain't going to be the first person to tweet about the golden state warriors there's no dibs on it just take a breath see what happens collect some thoughts here's my rule you get to tweet twice a quarter at the absolute most that's it you get twice a quarter that's eight tweets a game that's all you got so that's that's my red carpet moment that is my uh well, I appreciate the free content, folks. Uh, come on, I'm seeing y'all have I'm seeing y'all have mental seeing y'all have mental breakdowns on the timeline. It's not a good look for anybody. There's Twitter. There you go. <laughs> all right, and that'll do it. All right, all right, and that will conclude episode number twenty-one of the Catching Dubs podcast. Big thanks to Dieter Kurtenbach for coming on the show i hope i hope that i didn't butcher dieter's last name uh make sure to follow him on twitter um at dieter d-i-e-t-e-r um make sure to follow us on our twitter at at dubs pod and on instagram at catching dubs pod um make sure to follow me on twitter at zach one z-z-z-a-c-h-h one and make sure you tune in to the Warriors playing the Pacers tonight as this goes up on Wednesday and hope you all have a great week. We will see you all later. Thanks y'all. See y'all later.